the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Welcome inside the official Jets podcast, Ethan Greenberg, alongside Eric Allen, bringing you the Jets-Jaguars game preview, the Friday show on the official Jets podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Remember, we're on your phone in the podcast app. We're on NewYorkJets.com. We're on SoundCloud. We got you covered three ways, so make sure to subscribe. And also, EA, got to kick things off from the top is Jets fans, you got to come to MetLife Stadium this weekend, not just for Jets-Jags at 1 p.m., but it's going to be a great day. There are going to be a lot of legends in attendance. That include Joe Namath, Curtis Martin, Don Maynard, and a lot more to celebrate Mr. Kevin Mawai's induction into the Jets' ring of honor at halftime. Fans, you'll also receive a commemorative Kevin Mawai whiteout rally towel. That's right. It's a whiteout this Sunday. And if you want tickets, make sure to call 1-800-469-JETS. Once again, one 800 Four six nine J E T S. Yeah, be a part of history, Greens. I mean, Kevin Mawai had the privilege of covering him um, during his tenure with the Jets. Uh, he played here eight seasons, eight of his sixteen seasons, made six Pro Bowls. Here, uh, had the great honor of taking him on a tour of the new facility here. Boy, was he jealous of what the players have now. But he—he is a guy really. Uh, changed the game because nobody played center like Kevin Mawai did. He was more, wasn't, a, a, he was so athletically talented. Mm-hmm. And he likes to say that I helped Curtis Martin get to the Hall of Fame. 10,000 of Curtis's 14,000 career rushing yards were behind one of the greatest polling centers in right. history, the National Football Just to League. jump off that, I did some research earlier this week. Out of the eight seasons that Mawai and Martin overlapped here in the green and white, Martin rushed for over 1,000 yards, seven of those, and the last one was the only time he did not rush for 1,000 was his last season here. Yep. So a tremendous resume, a great guy. And just to be clear, you took him on his tour of the first time he's ever been in the building. Yeah. I just want to make that crystal clear that he had never been at one Jets drive in Florham Park, New Jersey before you showed him around. Yeah, you know, and he was impressed, like I said, but from Kevin, from a playing perspective, he was as smart as they uh, came. He knew where everybody was supposed to be. He worked so well with Vinny Testaverde Mm -hmm. and then Chad Pennington as Pennington came on board with this team and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and he played through the whistle. God, he was tough to play against. Bart Scott was talking about it. And and some people would say, you know, he, he played beyond the whistle. And Kevin gave you everything every single week, a tenacious ball player. And the Jets don't have a center in the ring of honor. You need a center on your team, <laughs> so why not number 68? Did you know, I found this out a couple of days ago from the man himself, Kevin Y. That he started the home of the Jets chant? Uh, yes, against Kansas City, I guess. EA knows his stuff. That's y- a fact. Yes. But, hey, Jets, Jaguars, Sunday. Jets got a chance to even their record at the quarter mark mm-hmm. at 2-2, two and two, a Jacksonville team. That a lot of people think very highly of 
We know Leonard Fournette's there, but defensively is what has really stood out to me so far about the Jaguars. They are playing some tough defense. Number one in the NFL, pass defense. Number one sacks. Number three overall in terms of total yards, Greens. Uh, yeah, just to jump off that, I was kind of flabbergasted when I Googled Joe Flacco's stats, his game, and I was looking at his game log because last week the Jags played the Ravens in London, thrashed yep. them 44-7. to Joe Flacco threw a pair of picks, which is, which is fine. You know, that, that's not abnormal. How about the fact that he threw for 28 yards? Ooh, I that, didn't even realize that. that. That's like, that's unbelievable. Ryan Mallett, the Flacco's backup, eventually came in the game for a little bit there. And the Jaguars' defense, I mean, it's third overall in the NFL. Their pass defense is tremendous. And we'll touch on Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye throughout this game preview. Wow, well, yeah, because John Osher from Jaguars.com is joining us. We also have Rich Samini coming in mm -hmm. here from ESPN.com. Yeah, and Chad Pennington will be back in the lineup this week. But uh, those are the two corners you keep on talking about, Greens. A.J. Bouye. That's a great name. A guy from the Houston Texans who Houston wanted to re-sign, but he went to Jacksonville, mm -hmm. got a lucrative deal. And Jalen Ramsey, a lot of people think that he is the game's next great corner. All right, let's bring in John Osher from Jaguars.com. John, first off, how was your trip overseas to London? It was a very successful one for the organization because that score Sunday morning was amazing. We're sitting there in the press box, myself and Greens here at MetLife Stadium, and we just keep seeing that score rise and rise and rise, and ultimately Jacksonville came home with a 44-7 trashing of the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> Well, as you guys know from making the trip, it's it's a long trip and it wears you out. Uh, you know, when you're following a team, it's always better when you have a game like that. You don't expect that. Uh, the Jaguars have played well over there, and they've been up the last two years, They and they won both games. But, you know, 44-7 where you're – at one point it was, it was 17 first downs to one. Uh, you don't expect that in the NFL. It was truly a game where everything broke right. All right, so this is the first time, I believe, John, that you have not followed up with a bye after going over to London. How do you think that will ultimately impact the team this week as they come north for just a couple-hour plane ride uh, right. to uh, here in New Jersey? If you'd asked me that question uh, two or three years ago after, you know, I've been with the organization since they've been going to London, and it's been 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. If you had asked me in the first couple of years, I would have thought there's no way you can play a game after London because you're just too drained, your body clocked off. Uh, last year, I kind of started thinking differently, and to be honest with you, uh, uh, talking to players and even talking to other staffers, because you guys know, it affects everybody in the organization when you come back on a trip like that. It hasn't, I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as I think they originally anticipated. Uh, by Wednesday, coming back, your body clock's pretty well adjusted. Uh, it's not that dissimilar to a normal West Coast game, if you follow me. They got back here at 2 a.m. on Monday morning. And the players were off. They were off uh, Monday. They were off Tuesday. By the time you got back to Wednesday, uh, London's sort of in the rear view. So uh, I'm not going to say it won't be a factor at all, 
but not as big of a drain on the body as, as I might have thought a couple of years ago. John, when you look at this Jaguars team, it's pretty it's pretty hard to not bring up the secondary. Right now sits atop the NFL as the best pass defense with Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Bouye, and Barry Church. A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey, a pair of picks in London. But uh, my question to you is just how different is this secondary from a year ago and what has made them so effective so far early in 2017? Well, it's different in the sense of a couple things. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's in his second year compared to his first. He was very good last year, obviously. He's one of these, uh, you know, if you think about the Jets comparison, he's Leonard Williams and he's uh, Jamal Adams in the sense of he's just an ultra talent. There's a reason he was taken in the top five. He's that guy. Uh, And A.J. Boye, Adding him to the secondary, uh, Boye was a guy that he was a free agent that was out there, but his team wanted him back. I mean, the Houston Texans tried really hard to get him back, and everybody wanted this guy. Um, I'm usually skeptical when it comes to free agency. Uh, I've seen it not work too often, mm-hmm. but uh, Boye is the real deal now. So, so all of a sudden, you've got two corners who can really lock down and cover. Uh, Sean Gibson's been to a Pro Bowl. He's free safety. And uh, Barry Church is sort of the prototypical uh, wise old veteran. He's been playing a long time. Um, more than that, though, to be honest with you, the secondary is very, very good. They can cover. But the pass rush, they have 13 sacks this year. Even when they're not sacking the quarterback, they're getting pressure. So, obviously, on defense, it all has to work together. Uh, the secondary is good enough to take advantage of what is a really improved pass rush. Speaking of that pass rush, Calais Campbell, four and a half sacks. And like you said, Jacksonville leads the NFL in sacks. Um, how have they been using Calais? I think he's listed as defensive end, but a lot of times he's lined up inside, isn't he, with Malik Jackson? Yeah, uh, in passing situations, they'll kick those guys inside. And first and second down, Calais is sort of your strong side end in this game. There's a weak side end, strong side end. Um, Calais has been a defensive free agency. I've, I've been around long enough to see a lot of free agents not come in and make an impact. Calais's impact is—he's one of these guys that's truly as impactful off the field as on. He is your veteran who is changing the culture. You know, usually your free agents never become core guys. They never become guys that truly influence the entire organization. Uh, they're not around long enough. They're later in their career. This guy's different. So switching sides of the ball here, let's touch on Leonard Fournette. Obviously, a lot of Jaguars and Jets fans have their eyes on Leonard Fournette, Jamal Adams, the former Bayou Bengals. And yesterday, Jamal Adams said that Leonard Fournette DM'd him on Instagram, asked to swap jerseys after the game. They agreed to it. But Fournette... Believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is the first Jaguar to rush for three touchdowns in his first three games. And so I just kind of wanted to know from an inside perspective, what kind of impact has he had on this offense? Well, his impact, um, it's kind of funny. We've been talking about this this week among you know, some of the staff people. You know, if you look at the stats, you look at, I think he's got right, right around 100, uh, 200 yards. Uh, the three touchdowns, he's under four yards to carry. So you think, well, is, is he having this impact that people are talking about? Well, the answer is yes, because he's this guy, when you watch him run on Sunday, you'll see it, um, always falls forward. 
always gets the most out of a run if it's there. There's tremendous confidence on the coaches and the players that whatever they block for this guy, he's going to get. Let me ask you about a, for, a couple former Jets there in the backfield. I'm watching tape of the Jaguars this week, and it's old school. you got a fullback in there yep. uh, on a few of those plays. Tommy Bohannon, and then Chris Ivory's not a bad B option behind Fournette, is he? Well, it's a touchdown, Tommy, here. you got a touchdown <laughs> week one. So, uh, you know, uh, this is an offense. The last couple of years have not had a fullback, uh, which a lot, of, a lot of teams are going that direction now. Uh, with this offense, the way this team wants to run, Tom Doug Marone, Tom Coffin got here, it has been clear it's going to be run. It's going to be old school. They think that's what their personnel dictates. Uh, Bohannon's been a big part of that. Chris Ivory is running very well. He's been a great compliment to Fournette. Uh, they think he's, again, a big reason why whatever success they've had offensively has been with ground and pound. It's been that whole thing. And uh, Fournette's going to get all the headlines. But Ivory's presence, Ivory's yard, his ability to do what you guys saw him do has been really big when they've had offensive success. The ground and pound with Greaves, we haven't heard that in a couple years around here. <laughs> <laughs> John, so what have you seen from Blake Bortles? Because this is someone that was a top pick a couple years ago, was very successful two years ago, and then earlier in the preseason was battling with Chad Henney for the starting job, and since – He's, you know, led the Jaguars to a two and one record, tied for the AFC South lead, and threw for four touchdowns last week. Well, he's coming off his best game as a pro. I mean, there's no uh, ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, the, the book is very much out on Blake. He struggled last year. He's always struggled with interceptions. There have been signs in the last uh, three games, and even dating back to the last four games of last season that he may be starting to get past the interception button. He's got, I believe, it's three in the last seven games, which for him is by far the fewest he's had on that front. Uh, his body of work indicates that interceptions are an issue, so it's probably too early to say it's behind him. If it's behind him, the kid's got a chance. He's got a big arm. He's a uh, dynamic player. He has great pocket presence. His big issue has been interceptions seems to be buying into what they're selling in terms of, hey, uh, it's the old Always in the series in a kick. It's better. That's the kind of quarterback they want him to be. Uh, he did that last week, and really a huge key for this team. They have a defense. They have a running game. Can Blake Bortles be that guy for the next 13 games? I don't know the answer to the question. I've seen both Blake Bortles so far. The one we saw last week, is a very good sign for this organization, and we'll see if he can do it again. How has the loss of Allen Robinson affected this passing game? Um, it, it hasn't affected it much yet because of the way they play. Meaning they run the ball so much, they're not going to be a wide receiver-based offense. At the same time, Allen Robinson's the number one receiver. He's a big guy. He high points the ball. He's good in the red zone, all those things. This kind of offense is eventually going to miss not having that guy. All right, John. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Can't wait. I enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. That was John Osher. Phenomenal from Jaguars.com, as always. EA, the formula for this week should be the same as last week for this Jets defense. That performed tremendously well last week against the Dolphins. The Dolphins only had 30 yards on the ground. Jay Ajayi finished the day with 16 yards rushing. 
which is the same amount that he finished the first half with. Yeah. So the Jets' defense was phenomenal. You have to expect, I would assume, that the Jets are going to try to take away Leonard Fournette, his impact on this offense. You know, one thing that Miami did, and Adam Gase was not a happy character after that ball game, a couple of profanities, I guess, in that post-game news conference. One thing the Dolphins did that I don't anticipate Jacksonville does is they went away from the run. Like mm-hmm. you said, the carries and the yards, it just got so out of whack. And if you look at the numbers themselves, you would have thought the Jets had a 20-point lead at halftime the way Miami came out in the second half. If Jacksonville's down 10, they're not going away from Leonard Fournette. I look at the Jets' defense and say, hey, if DeMario Davis can play like he did against the Miami Dolphins, the Jets could be in Mm -hmm. very good shape against the run. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when Rontez Miles comes back because he practiced yesterday or he's been practicing this week from an eye injury. I love the Jets' safeties. I mean, if Miles gets back into the mix, you have to love the Jets' safeties. Exactly. I'm not looking at every depth chart in the National Football League, but if you think about Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Terrence Brooks, and then you get the Tasmanian Devil, the the Tasmanian Tasmanian Devil devil back in – to the crew, love the Jet safeties. All right, EA, it's time to bring in a fellow Syracuse alum, Rich Samini from ESPN.com. Rich, thank you so much for joining us here on the official Jets podcast. Always a pleasure to talk football with you two guys. <laughs> and uh, you're uh, in yeah. studio for it's, the first time. I didn't even know that. Very, very impressive studio here. I, uh, you got to invite me more often. <laughs> uh, we, will, okay. we will certainly okay. do we'll that. take you up on your okay. word. <laughs> All right, Rich, so Jets obviously coming off a win against the Dolphins. The defense was very impressed, but offensively, what were you most impressed with? Well, I think with the offense, I think they show improvement each week. And really, that's what you want to see because they were starting over on offense this year. They have a new coordinator, new system, a lot of new players. Uh, So I I think each week you're seeing a little bit more. The the deep ball came to fruition this week with the, uh, the long pass to Robbie Anderson. I think Josh McCown is doing a really good job of managing the games. I think his completion percentage is 70. 70% for three games. Yeah, so I'm just really impressed. In fact, I mentioned to Josh yesterday, uh, according to our ESPN stats, his, he's got the second quickest release time in the league. It's 2.2 seconds. Only Derek Carr is faster. Wow. And Josh has never been known as a quick-release guy. He's usually in the high twos. So he, you know, he thinks that some has to do with the system. Some of it has to do with uh, Jeremy Bates you know, tweaking his mechanics a little bit. So I, I was impressed with Josh. What do you think about Morton, a guy who was a longtime NFL assistant under the likes of Sean Payton, John Gruden, Jim Harbaugh, and Pete Carroll? He's working with a lot of different pieces, and he's got McCown playing at a high level, and he's doing a real nice job with this entire unit. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's too big for him. I see You see a little creative wrinkles. They use uh, Lawrence Thomas as fullback, which was – He's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he did play fullback in, in college at Michigan State. I think he caught seven passes in college. Block for Le'Veon and Bell. Block for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, anytime you can get a 290-pound fullback in there, and he almost scored a touchdown. So, And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they had no tight ends. So they used, in Oakland, they were able to use the extra offensive linemen. So you see him adjusting. I mean, let's, you know, they don't have the – it's not the greatest show on turf in terms of <laughs> – in terms of the talent level, so he's he's making do with what he has. A lot of new pieces, too. That's not easy to incorporate guys like Jermaine Curse came in and Curley came in late. So that's, 
you know, he's done a pretty solid job. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the backfield for a second here. The past couple of weeks, John Warren has employed this running back by committee approach. Just what do you think of the committee approach, and do you think it's something that the Jets should stick to as they move on here through 2017? Yeah, I think it's good. I think maybe at times you want to stick – I mean, the three guys, basically Bilal and, and Matt are getting equal reps. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the snap counts are virtually equal. And then McGuire is getting a little bit, a little taste every week, maybe about eight to ten snaps. I, I'd like to see more of McGuire. I think he brings you a speed element there uh, that the other two guys may not have. Uh, you know, I, I think if the three thing, the three-headed monster, so to speak, is good. I think sometimes you got to let it go a little longer with one guy. If you get the hot hand, just let it ride a little bit longer. So, uh, looking forward to this week, we won't know about Matt Forte's availability likely until Sunday, I would imagine. He's got the turf toe, and yeah. the Jets pick up, picked up uh, Travaris Cadet, a guy who is known for his pass-catching prowess out of the backfield and also his return ability. What do you think about the matchup specifically here against Jacksonville, who leads the NFL in pass defense? I think they rank number, yeah. th the number three overall and also leads the NFL in terms of sacks. And I know uh, Green's over here is very high in the corners. A.J. Bouye yeah. and Jalen Ramsey looks like a budding star. Yeah, I, I was talking to a, a scout yesterday from another team, and we were talking about uh, Ramsey, and he thinks Ramsey is like the, the premier corner in the league well, right now and will just be like a Hall of Fame type guy, like a Darrell Revis kind of late 2000s kind of, kind of dominance. He's really that good. I, I think the Jets are going to have a hard time throwing to their wide receivers in this game. That's why I think the running backs, which we just talked about, will be important because I think the weakness of the Jacksonville de defense is their second level, the linebackers. I think you can, if you can get, that's why I think McGuire could be a factor this week. Yeah. If you can get him in space in the passing game on one of those linebackers, I think you can make plays. I also think Austin Safarian Jenkins this week could be a factor. I just think it's going to be really hard for the wide receivers to get open because they're going up against two really good corners. So you have to kind of manuf manufacture opportunities elsewhere. You talked about the Jaguars leading the NFL in sacks. So what kind? What do you want to see from this Jets offensive line that right now is a little banged up? Yeah, Brandon Shell was a question mark. Uh, he didn't practice yesterday. So uh, I think what we talked about earlier, quick throws. Yeah. Get the ball out fast and uh, just try to neutralize those guys up front because it is a good line. And, you know, they have Calais Campbell has four and a half sacks. I mean, he did get four in the opener when I think everyone was getting sacks in that game against Houston. Houston, yeah. Houston was struggling without their <laughs> left tackle, Dwayne Brown. But uh, so they, they can get after it. They'll push the pocket from the middle because they have Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell. So that's going to be really tough for the Jets. This offensive line has a really tall order this week. The Jets' defense was by far the best it's been last week against Miami and stopping Jay Ajayi only 16 yards on the day. Do you think that's a formula that's going to be echoed against Leonard Fournette and that rushing offense? Yeah, I mean, because I think there's similar types of, I mean, Shady McCoy was a totally different running back because he was an East-West. I mean, that, that brings in different kinds of defensive principles. But last week they faced a North-South guy in Ajayi who was very good yards after contact. He was one of the leaders in the league. Yep. They stopped him. I, I don't know the numbers offhand. It was something ridiculous. What, 16 yards, I think? 16 yeah. yards on 11, 11 carries. carries something, yeah. something crazy like that. And Fournette's, I talked to Marcus May yesterday, and, and I asked him, I said, Jamal Adams, his old college teammate, of course, with Fournette, I said, did he give you any tips, insider knowledge on Fournette? He said, you just got to hit him 
before he gets ahead of steam going. You know, you got to hit him as early as you can because he does have speed. For a big man, Fournette can run. And he's going to, I think the Jets will play an eight-man box the whole game. I think Jamal Adams will be in there as a linebacker. Fournette has faced more eight-man boxes than any running back in the league right now, according to our stats people. So I think that'll be the formula. Eight men in the box, key on Fournette. Would this change what you thought about the Jets maybe a few weeks ago if they came out with a victory here? You know, that's, that's a really, really good question. <laughs> and I think... I'm trying to think back to what I had in my predictions. I think I might have had him starting out two and three. Okay. So I did have him winning a couple. Um, you know, I don't know. It depends how they if, if they win. You know, do they do it convincingly like last week? Like I said, this is going to be a close game. These two teams are really evenly matched. I think it's going to be a low-scoring defensive struggle. Right. All right. And then lastly, Rich, before we let you go here, is just what's the singular matchup that most piques your interest for this Sunday, Jets Jaguars? Mm, that's a tough. I mean, there's really. Uh, that's a tough. Uh, that's a tough one. Let me see. Uh, you know, I'm just fascinated, and I wrote about this. You know, this morning, the Jamal Adams and Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's going to be really key because he'll be the eighth guy in the box, Jamal, and he and Leonard. You know, go back. Uh, 2014, they were both freshmen at LSU both five-star recruits. Leonard was the number one recruit in the country. Jamal was number 31. So these were the elite of the elite recruits, and they went at it in practice. So I, I think, I, although they're not on each other like uh, like a one-on-one -on -one matchup, I do think there'll be a lot of collisions between those two guys. So that's one matchup I'm really interested in uh, seeing. Loaded topic, and we could talk about this one for hours, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. You've been covering uh, the Jets and the National Football League for decades. Um, we're in an interesting spot here in this country's history. What we saw last weekend, as far as the Jets coming out, uh, they want to be you know, wanted to be unified. We saw Christopher Johnson, the team's CEO, flanked by both they aforementioned Jamal Adams and Josh McCown. And Todd Bowles has said, "Hey, listen." This should not be about talk. It should be about solutions. But what do you anticipate happening? At MetLife on Sunday and then throughout the league. Yeah. Uh, th they said they haven't decided what they're going to do yet. Uh, I could see a scenario where they do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Christopher Johnson will be there every week, but I could see the players doing something like that. I, I think with that, um, I think it was good that they were unified because you saw a lot of teams that had some guys kneeling. The Cowboys kneeled and then locked, you know, they covered all their bases. Right. Uh, you know, some teams were doing their own thing. So it was, I think, from a Jet fan perspective, if I were a fan sitting in the stands, um, look, not everyone's going to be happy that they even locked arms. This sure. is a very polarizing issue. Uh, I've seen on Twitter and fan, you know, they didn't even like that. But I think, I think to me, I was okay with that because it was a, a, a gesture of unity. Um, as a football fan, I just want to. I just want to write about football. I just want to cover football. Right. I think fans, just football is an escape. It is right. I, I yep. mean, you don't want to go to a, a game on a Sunday and be like deal with all this heavy stuff. And this is heavy and serious stuff too. I'm not. Yes. I'm not minimizing what's what's uh, at stake here. But I think I just want to. You know, football sh should be fun. It should be entertaining, and hopefully, we could get back to that. Yeah, um, well said. Uh, ESPN's Rich Samini. In the studio for the first yes. time on the Jets official podcast network. Thanks so much uh, Thank you for coming by. Thanks. Appreciate it.
All right, as always, Rich Semini, a wonderful job. Next week, I believe EA, Chad Pennington will be back on the official Jets podcast game preview. Rich, always lovely to have him on the show, but something that I want to ask you. Lovely. Lovely. Well, you know, the Syracuse guy, you got to give him a lovely. Yeah. So something I asked. The Newhouse connection is stronger than ever. Yes. (laughs) That, That is a fact. Anyway, something that I asked Rich that I'd like to ask you is what is the single matchup that you're most interested on seeing on Sunday when the Jets try to even up their record at 2-2? Two and two. I'm going to go to Josh McCown against the Jaguars' number one NFL-ranked secondary. Can McCown keep it going, spread the field, play turnover free, and give the Jets an opportunity to be in a fourth-quarter game against Jacksonville? It would be great if they blow them out, but let's just say – if it's a tight game, because I like having McCown here operating the controls for this offense against a Jacksonville team who has not played a close game in 2017. Things operate a little bit differently when you're in a tight game. How is Jacksonville going to react to that? But this is a great challenge for Josh McCown and John Morton and company, but I'm so thoroughly impressed by the Jet Veteran signal caller. John Morton, which Rich talked about, and then quarterback coach Jeremy Bates as well. You mentioned something that I'm going to tie into and weave into. My point here is that the Jaguars have not played in a close game in 2017. Conversely, I'm going to, maybe not conversely, I'm going to say in turn. I'm curious, I was curious about this last week with the Dolphins, and the same thing bodes for the Jaguars. Can Blake Bortles lead this team to victory through the air? No Allen Robinson, which means Allen Hearns and Mark Easley are the top options. Mercedes Lewis, of course, you mentioned his vertical or his red zone threat, 6'6". I'm curious to see who lines up on Mercedes Lewis. Is it Demario Davis? Is it Darren Lee? Is it Jamal Adams? Yeah, I think it's one. Uh, yeah, and you could double team him at times, too. Right. So yeah. I, I'm very curious to see, let's say, again, the Jets' formula is to stop for net. It comes to fruition. Ken Blake Bortles, who only threw for 240 yards last week, mind you, he had four touchdowns, can he lead the Jacksonville Jaguars team to victory in a close matchup? I'm very curious. Yeah, whoever plays better, you know, and rightfully so, we're focused on the run of games on both teams because both teams want to have some balance. But I, I agree with you. What quarterback's going to have a better afternoon? That's going to tell you who wins this ball game at the end of the day. We'll see what happens on Sunday when the Jets try to even up their record at 2-2 two and two against the Jaguars. But you got to remember that Sunday, halftime, Kevin Mawai, Jets legends will be in attendance. That includes Joe Namath, Curtis Martin, Don Maynard, many more. Kevin Mawai, well-deserving, getting 68 up there in the ring of honor. And if you're going to the game, you're going to receive a commemorative Kevin Mawai whiteout rally towel. Also a good time to remind you to wear your white. The Jets wear green and white, but wear your white jerseys. It is a whiteout. You want tickets, make sure to call 1-800-469-JETS. Once again, 1-800-469-JETS. Before we let you go right here, EA, final question. What is your favorite Kevin Mawai memory? I mean, I've waxed poetically about what Mawai was able to do on the football field, how he revolutionized the center position, how tremendously athletic he was how he was a mauler, but he wasn't a guy who stood in one place. He was a guy the Jets used to get out on the edge and spring 
28, Curtis Martin free on the perimeter. So let me go off the field. I'll go over to Kevin and talk about him as a leader. And my memories, my first year with the Jets was 2001, September 11th. But uh, everybody rallied together. And one thing that I remember, uh, Kevin, is that he staunchly got up in front of the media and said, it's not right for us to play this week. It's not right for us to go out there and play an NFL football game. And he put himself at the front of that. I thought that was the proper um, tone, the way he dressed the situation. Our city was devastated. And it just showed me, Kevin, his connection to people. And he was also so tremendous off the field uh, with his charitable works as well. But for me, it was, it was September 11, 2001, and how the Jets reacted and how Mawai as a leader reacted. And that guy will be inducted into the Jets Ring of Honor this Sunday. Once again, Eric Allen and Ethan Greenberg here on the official Jets podcast game preview. Make sure Sunday, again, Jets Jags, 1 o'clock. Make sure to wear your white. Make sure to eat your food. Not at halftime because that's when Kevin will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Make sure to get your stuff beforehand. We'll oh. see you Sunday in your white.